Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Well, hello everybody, Malcolm Teasdale, the travel addict. This country came into the news recently for a couple of reasons. Now, I've been traveling quite a bit lately. I've been away uh, for about a month uh, down in the Caribbean somewhere, so lack of podcasts, that's the reason. I just wanted to chill out. But the country I'm talking about is Brazil. Brazil, yes. Now, they are reputed to be the number one team in the world, and they played in the World Cup finals, right? However, they didn't win it. Now, that's sort of devastating to them, really. It probably hurts more that Argentina won it, uh, but that, that's all right, you know. Um, but they look good. They just weren't good enough. So the people are passionate about the sport of football in Brazil. More about that later on. Now, recently, it's a political upheaval in the country as well. You've read about it on the news, and so I don't need to explain that. But you see, it's a lot of discontent there in the major cities. All right? So uh, I thought, you know what? I need to relive a story here, or an episode, a travel trip that I took years ago to Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo, Brazil. All right. Now, I survived, <laughs> but it was an enlightening trip. Anyway, this is a startup. You enjoy it, and uh, please provide feedback. Now, Brazil is both the largest and most populous country in Latin America, with a population of over 211 million. Worldwide, it's the fifth largest country. Now, apart from Ecuador and Chile, it borders all of the other South American countries. From the large cities of Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro, it is home to the Amazon Basin. That includes a vast tropical rainforest with diverse wildlife and a variety of ecological systems. The country is passionate about its national sport of football, which, of course, I was soon to find out. And, of course, famous for flamboyant carnivals. Now, one of the most desirable places a businessman could visit is surely Brazil. Now, at least that's what I thought. And, uh, personally, I never thought I would have an opportunity to go there. But over the course of a 12-month period, before it actually did take the trip, there was a substantial amount of dialogue between my company and an organization based in Rio de Janeiro that was keen to learn about and ultimately sell my product, my company's product. Now, my tendency during the earlier communications with them was to not take it seriously. However, it became more realistic as time progressed. Brazil were actually preparing for the World Cup at that time, back a few years, albeit uh, in two years after my visit. Now, the world's largest sporting event, which happens every four years, took place during the summer of 2014. And as it 
is normal with massive events like this, a country is notified many years in advance, approximately, I think, two World Cups ahead of the current one, which equates to about eight years. The work involved with staging a World Cup is similar to, right, say, the Olympic Games, in that there has to be changes in the country's infrastructure, transport model, and hotel accommodations, just to name a few. However, it's much more than those obvious requirements, as buildings will have to be demolished and new ones will have to be built. Airline routes may be redefined, airports modified to handle traffic, increased security, safety, plus the regular political challenges have to be managed. Beijing, when they staged the Olympic Games in 2008, rebuilt their airport. It's a place of somewhat magnificent, actually. The change from what it was to what it became is quite unbelievable, basically from a building that was outdated to something almost futuristic. Well, that's in China. In anticipation for the upcoming World Cup, there was enthusiasm and excitement in the country, as you can imagine. If you average the ranking over the history of the event, Brazil are clearly the best team having won the trophy actually five times. I mentioned three before. Oh, they're clearly the best team. Germany and Italy share second place, having won it four times each. Now, football or soccer, whatever you want to call it these days, is the unofficial religion of the country. And being the world's favourite and most important sport, the changes needed in the country to accommodate its visitors for the World Cup were substantial. Being the best caused Brazil citizens to be passionate about the sport, as I was soon to find out. Now, when discussions with the Brazilians became more serious, I decided it was time to invest the money and effort to make the trip down there. One of the underlying issues was that at the time, our product, my company's product, did not support the Portuguese language or the Brazilian dialect of it. But I knew going into the meeting that that subject would be raised, however, not by me, of course. There are direct flights from Atlanta to Rio de Janeiro, which leave at night and take about 10 hours. Even though it is an overnight flight, the time difference is just one hour. So jet lag is not really an issue, but losing a night's sleep is. And my Delta flight arrived about 9 a.m. in the morning. And with only about two hours sleep, if that, I was barely ready for the day ahead. As with many South American countries, they use the traffic light model at the airport to decide who gets searched at customs. You press a button, and either a red or green light will turn on. I've never had a red light, but I was close this time as a gentleman right behind me got exactly that. Another bullet dodged. Not that I had anything to be concerned about, probably except wasted time. Now, my time of arrival was decent in two ways. I avoided the business traffic at the peak hours and also did not have to worry about my safety by being on the road at night. Now, Rio is certainly not crime-free, and in some areas, it is quite dangerous. Now, I was aware that during my entire stay in the country and adhered to the golden rule of not walking around late at night away from the popular areas. That applies to many cities in the world, of course. Actually, I think that rule applies to some areas during the daylight hours as well in Rio. Uh, 
the adrenaline I had for the concerns. I was in Rio, one of the most exciting cities in the world, or at least that's what I thought at the time. The taxes at the airport are regulated by the government to help put the bad guys out of business, basically, and corruption, of course. What I mean by that is it's because there has been a spate of kidnappings, and that happened in Colombia as well and other South American company, uh, countries where businessmen have been taken somewhere and the perpetrators have asked for ransom money uh, from their companies in return for the human being. Now, the same thing has happened before in a number of other countries, uh, Colombia, Mexico, Peru, Venezuela, to name a few. I paid for my taxi fare inside the arrivals hall and proceeded to the official lineup. All went well, and 45 minutes later, I was checking in at the nice Pestana Hotel across the street from Copacabana Beach. You may be thinking, I chose this location deliberately, in which case you would be absolutely correct. That afternoon, my newfound business colleagues came to meet me at the hotel and take me to their office. Their aim was to market and sell our products to Brazilian companies and provide the training and technical support also. Fortunately, everyone I had to speak with at the meeting spoke English. If they had to speak amongst themselves in front of me, they spoke in their native tongue, of course, likely because it was easier to do so, or possibly they wanted to talk about me. That's my paranoia speaking. The meeting was all about setting up plans for the next day, as well as what presentations needed to be made by which person. The subject of translating our software into Portuguese wasn't raised at this time, but I felt it was just a matter of time. The general manager of the company issued a warning to me. He suggested I stay in the confines of my hotel at night. I knew I wasn't going to do that, but rather be cautious of where I ventured. So just to be inquisitive, I asked him why. And he said, you are a gringo. Many people don't like gringos around here, Miguel said bluntly. Now, my first thought was of a cat I used to have when I lived in Canada, whose name was Gringo, and such a gentle animal he was too. Now, Miguel explained further. It dates back to when the U.S. military were in Latin America and wore green uniforms. The locals obviously did not want them there, and in their broken English, they told them green go, effectively saying, please leave our country. There are other theories as to where this name came from, but this seems to be the most popular one. In turn, green go changed into gringo. Suffice to say, I became a gringo, in a funny kind of way, for a couple of days. I reassured Miguel that I would behave myself so he didn't have to call back home and say those words of I'm sorry to say, well, something. <laughs> My business partner had already told me that he would not spend more than $100 on a ransom payment. Generous guy. Just by suggesting that amount of money, I believe the kidnappers would have been angered enough to execute me on the spot and move on with capturing someone else. Well, that first night, I did stay close to my hotel, which included a walk across the street to stand on the renowned Copacabana Beach. The weather at that time was cloudy with occasional rain, showers, so it wasn't really a good time to travel anywhere, plus there was a long day ahead. 
I've always found Latin Americans to have a great work ethic. They may start work a little later than normal, but won't quit for the day until early evening or at a time when all of the work that needs to be done has been completed. We had meetings all day with potential customers, and I learned a few words of Portuguese, albeit temporarily. With languages, if you don't use it, you lose it. One company we visited with our new partners seemed like a great sales opportunity. Their financial institution needed a management product to control their core center, and they really liked what we had to offer. As was expected, the subject of language translation came up for what we call the user interface, meaning that all menu options and text on the computer screen had to be in the country's written language. What I offered at that time was a commitment that if the customer purchased our solution, we would complete the translation by a certain time and asked if that would be acceptable. The offer was based on my brief knowledge of Brazil's business culture, that after being only one day in the country and thinking that since most people spoke English, they would be able to make do for a few months until the translation project was complete. That really made them think about the logistics of it all, the expense of temporarily improving the English language and reading skills of the employees who had to use a product versus not having a product at all and losing business, reputation, efficiency, and of course money was in the balance. Now, flying by the seat of my pants was nothing new to me, but I did not commit to a specific date for completion of the translation as I was relying on another company to do that part. I think the term flying by the seat of your pants applies to many companies, companies around the world, but especially mine at the time. It was Sir Richard Branson, I think, who once said, if you have an idea, act on it now. Worry about the details later. Now, the word details can mean several things, but in my mind, it's all about making something better. Virtually every piece of technology ever invented is always in a state of improvement. In this case, I found out a couple of weeks later that the customer accepted my proposal and we got down to the task of translation. Onward and upward, we now had a market in Brazil. For the rest of the day, we had a couple of exploratory meetings then went to a Brazilian steakhouse for dinner. It seemed to be the right thing to do, just like a visitor would try fish and chips in Great Britain or a hamburger in the USA. The next day, Miguel and I flew down to Sao Paulo. It's about an hour in the air, and it must be one of the most travelled routes in the world, with well over 50 flights a day. In fact, we did not even book a flight, but rather just turned up at the airport. It was pretty much like taking a bus or a train, in that it if you missed your intended departure time, then you just had to wait a little longer and get on the next one. Now, as the plane started to descend in Sao Paulo, I remembered an incident from, I think it was 2007, when a TAM, Airlines Airbus 320, overran the runway during a rainstorm and crashed into a warehouse that was adjacent to a gas station. Exactly 187 people on the plane died, that day, plus 12 more on the ground. The investigation showed it was pilot error that caused it. Apparently, he forgot to deploy the brakes correctly. Well, at least we were not on a TAM aircraft into Sao Paulo, but I had to confirm with Miguel that we weren't uh, for the return journey also. There are so many flights on this route uh, by many airline companies, 
so I just had to make sure. After landing, I can see why an accident could happen. The runway is short and requires brake stability applied quickly. At the end of the runway is a street across from which buildings are located. On a positive note, I thought to myself, well, I won't have to do this again. We had an overnight stay, and so I took an overnight bag with me because of meetings for the remainder of the day and one in the morning that made it necessary to stay overnight. Experiencing this massive city for a day was exciting. There was a driver waiting for us in the arrivals hall, which is just as well because the city is immense with a population of 11 million people. You need a driver who knows the city well, the streets to avoid, and of course the areas of congestion and the shortcuts. Renting a car is completely out of the question, even for someone who visits regularly. I found the city to be very businesslike. Everyone I met was dressed appropriately with men in suits, with ties and ladies in various professional outfits. It was an enjoyable day, not only for the business potential, but also for the opportunity to learn more about the Brazilian culture. The Hilton Hotel was our accommodation that night before the remaining meeting the next morning. Since departure day was Friday, it was important to arrive back in Rio at a decent time as to not get stuck in commuter traffic. Like all major cities, Rio has congestion, but not as bad as some places where I have been at, where it has been at a standstill in my personal opinion, namely Jakarta, Delhi, Mexico City, Manila especially, and even Atlanta to a degree. Miguel reminded me of my gringo status in the country as we went our own ways after landing in Rio. Maybe he was worried that if anything happened to me, like dying or being kidnapped, then any promises I made during the meetings would disappear as well. It was Friday night. I was in Rio de Janeiro. Should I listen to advice and stay indoors? Maybe watch television or read a book? Hell no. There was zero chance of that happening, although I had the discipline not to do anything too stupid and, of course, drink too much. Based on past experience, I figured there must be an Irish pub somewhere in the city. In fact, I found three. Shenanigans was the nearest one to my hotel, but I still did not walk there and rather got the hotel to arrange a taxi for me. It was fun, pretty much like an Irish pub in Ireland, I thought. They had a small band playing Irish folk songs, which seemed a little strange in one of the world's biggest party towns. Actually, they were very good, in so much that I stayed there and ate an Irish stew for dinner with one of the local beers, which name escapes me. Could have been Guinness, I can't remember. A name that did not escape me, however, was a nightclub close to the beach called Help. When I first moved to the USA back in 1985, my boss at the time was a gentleman from Liverpool. He said, if you ever go to Rio, you must go to this place. It closed a short time after I left Rio. I wasn't to blame for that. And uh, apparently, though, Rio authorities did not want these kind of places around anymore. I went because I had nothing else to do that night, plus my ex-boss said I should go, and I always did what my boss asked me to do. Not that he would agree with that. <laughs> Next door to help was a cafe with tables and chairs outside, presumably a place where club goers could spend some quiet time before hitting um, the nightclub with the thumping sounds of the disco. 
I found a table and sat there enjoying the view and breeze from the ocean. People watching was fun, and I did notice a few other gringos in the area. I was not alone, and that made me feel a little safer, or to be more accurate, just part of the Friday night crowd. A lady pushed her chair next to me and introduced herself. So we engaged in conversation for a while. Then she said something that surprised me. You like my friend over there? Do you want to spend time with the beautiful Brazilian girl with long curly hair? She asked. One thing is for sure, she was a very attractive lady with those classic Brazilian looks. Now at that moment, I did not know whether her friend asked her to say that or whether there was something more sinister. But because I am inquisitive, I decided to ask some straightforward questions, which seemed she wasn't afraid to answer. After all, I was just an ignorant gringo. How many boyfriends have you had? I asked. About 2,000, she replied. How many has your friend had? I asked, probing for more details. Only a 1,000, I think, but let me ask her. She leaned over, and they exchanged whispers. Just less than a thousand, she thinks, she said without reservation. I almost fell off my chair. I literally could not think of anything more to say except the lame statement of, well, I'm meeting someone in the club, so I might bump into you two later later on. So nice chatting with you. Thank you. Goodbye. As an excuse to leave the table, I guzzled down my beer and entered the club. There was a line-up forming, so I paid my small entrance fee and took the plunge. The place was large and loud, but the second floor was much quieter for people who wanted to just talk to each other. The other gringos I saw outside, I saw inside as well. They were there for different reasons than me. I was in town working, but they were actually in there to visit help and visit other similar establishments, which I knew nothing about. A band came on stage who were half-decent but extremely loud. It was very difficult to hold any form of conversation. And after my ears started ringing, I decided to leave and return to my hotel. It was Sunday, which meant it was a big football day in the city. And it just so happened that at the Maracana Stadium was the big game of the season between local rivals Flamenco and Fluminense. I knew this experience was going to be a little edgy, having been to the equivalent game in Buenos Aires, Argentina, between Boca Juniors and River Plate. Gabriel, or Gab, as he is better known, from the company who had invited me to Rio, had asked me if I wanted to go, so I accepted, of course, without hesitation. We met for lunch at a local cafe, then boarded one of the local buses to the stadium. As the Maracana Stadium came into view, so did other buses, including those of opposing fans. One busload of fans were very vocal in uh, what they were saying and were pointing at our bus. What are they shouting, Gab? I asked. He said, well, basically, they just want to kill us. He didn't have to elaborate on that statement. I realized there was enough hate between both sets of supporters that they should never be allowed to meet. As with many football stadiums around the world, when rivals team meet, the fans are usually separated by the length of a field. Both ends of the ground are fenced off. So the real fanatics from each team can be herded in their respective areas without the ability to be, of being up close with uh, the opposing team. 
Generally, it works. However, getting to and leaving the ground can present other challenges for security people. Everyone on our bus was supporting the same team, which at the time I did not know which one that was. And we pushed towards the turnstiles in a sort of disorderly fashion. Gab said to me, put your watch in your pocket. Don't, I said without hesitation. Pickpocketing is rife in situations like this, and it would be very difficult to find a culprit. Eventually, we made it inside the impressive stadium, which can hold almost 80,000 people, although not all seated, of course. We met up with a few of Gab's friends in a covered area made for standing supporters only. The view was somewhat distant, but I could see the game just fine and enjoy the atmosphere. I was informed to support the team in red. And please don't cheer if the other team, the team in white, score a goal. Now, from my experience in Buenos Aires, I knew the rules about making cheering or jeering noises at the wrong time or right time. (laughs) Ten minutes before the game ended, Gab said, let's go. And I said, well, there's ten minutes remaining. He said, I know, but if we don't leave now, we will be stuck in a traffic jam and a people jam trying to get out and wanting a taxi ride or bus ride, and it will take a very long time. I assume that he was also thinking about the fact that he had a gringo with him. On that statement of advice, we were on our way out of the ground. The score was two goals apiece when we left, so at least both sets of fans could be reasonably happy. However, in the last few minutes of the game, one team scored, indicated by the outside marquee of the, uh, the, the border of the stadium. That would now tip the balance of fan satisfaction off tilter. The fans that earlier were shouting death threats were probably preparing for war after their team went a goal down, but we escaped any potential confrontation as we jumped into a taxi and headed back to the hotel. I enjoyed the experience, but would never do it again. Of course, I would never have gone on my own, so I was fortunate that I was with some of the locals and got to see the game at the famous stadium. There's one day left in Rio for me, although I had to check out of my hotel no later than 6pm. It did cost me a few extra Brazilian real, which is a currency, to stay in my room until that time, but I could not check out at the normal time, noon, and wander around aimlessly for six hours. My Delta flight was scheduled to leave at 10pm, which meant another sleepless night. Unfortunately, Sunday was a drab day, but I was compelled to make the most of it. I walked down the iconic Coba Capana and Ipanema beaches in the drizzling rain, which meant that because of the weather, no one was out there having fun except for a group of die-hard volleyball players. I took a ride to see Christ the Redeemer statue on top of Corcovado Mountain that overlooks the city. Up there, the view of Rio is breathtaking, insomuch that you realise that the city is one of the most attractive on planet Earth. My trip was coming to an end. However, in the few days I had stayed in Brazil, I was blessed to have visited two great cities and met friendly people. Although the weather did not fully cooperate, I managed to do plenty of activities in spite of being a gringo. As the country is very large and diverse, I now have my sights set on a visit to Manaus one day. As a gateway to the Amazon jungle, I am imagining the ultimate jungle trek. After the 10-hour flight, which became a sleepless one, of course, we bumped down in a windy Atlanta. Reality then clicked in, and I thought to myself, did I really just experience Rio, or was it just a dream? 
Well, the answer to that question, although illogical, is appropriate. The answer is both. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe. 